0: Well, hey there, freaks. It's your boy, Marty Bent, here to introduce this week's sponsor before our conversation with David Bailey from BTC Media. This week's episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App, the number one finance app in the app stores for the last two years straight, freaks, and that is because they are allowing you to do a lot of things. First off, they got the boost program. Uh, You sign up for the cash app, you get your cash tag, uh, you sign up for the boost program, and then you get this card sent to you, a visa card that you can customize you can put your signature on it you can put a bitcoin symbol on it you can put a lightning bolt on it whatever you feel fit uh you get that card and then they have deals with merchants like chick-fil-a whole foods uh local coffee shops taco bell the list goes on it's only growing uh where you go you turn your boost on you use the card you save money and you can use that money to stack sats cash app is also the first pdp payments app to let you freaks buy bitcoin as you know they're helping us stack sats on Saturdays, any day really. Um, so go to your local uh, app store, or the Google Play Store, or the Apple App Store. Download the Cash App today. Hope you uh, enjoy this conversation with David Bailey, a man who's been very mysterious to me. We hopped into a uh, a lot of uh, a lot of talk about the early days of Bitcoin, um, the people who have uh, come and gone uh, as as figureheads in the Bitcoin space, and and how they are treated these days, and, and looking forward to the Bitcoin uh, 2019 conference in San Francisco in a few weeks. Um, so a few freaks are looking to go to that, use the code RHR uh, for, for some discounted tickets. And then, uh, yeah, check out the website, smash that subscribe button, share the podcast, rate, review, trying to blow this thing up. You know you guys are going to enjoy this, because I did as well. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy, Marty Bent, coming to you from the dopest hotel room I've ever been in in my life. We're in midtown Manhattan. Uh, This is truly decadent and incredible. I'm sitting down with a very special guest, somebody who I was just explaining to. I've heard a lot of rumblings through the grapevine throughout the years, but I've never really met or um got good information on so i'm very excited for this conversation i'd like to introduce you freaks to the founder of btc media uh you probably know them if you've been reading bitcoin magazine over the years david bailey david welcome to the podcast thank you for having me thanks for coming through dude like i said bitcoin man a mystery in my mind i've heard rumblings throughout the years um so i'm just excited for this conversation in particular because you were around um pretty early on so you've seen a lot change um, the way this starts and tails from the Crypt is how did you get to come to Bitcoin and start BTC Media?
1: Yeah, and well, I guess I'll start with this hotel room. It is very dope. It has a very oligarch-like feel. We're not paying for it, all right? So <laughs> that's the key thing. So um, Bitcoin. Got started in Bitcoin in college. Found Bitcoin. Somebody sent me an article about the Silk Road. I thought it was a scam. I have like a compulsive personality type, so I... Started by trying to prove it was a scam. Whole list of reasons why it can never work. One by one, cross them off. Get to the point. I don't know why it can't work. I buy my first bitcoins. What were that?
0: 2012, just under ten dollars. What were those reasons that you were looking to check off the list?
1: Oh man, I don't even remember now. It uh, uh, the the basic shit that all the people who are new to Bitcoin think like, oh, the government will never allow it, and you know, uh, no one uses gold as a transaction mechanism. Uh, you know, clearly the what technol- they're promising technology-wise, there's no way that that can be possible. Just someone who knows nothing and uh, who has exposure to the financial markets and just thinks you're not going to have an unregulated product like this that actually gains any traction.
0: So, was there anything in particular that sort of incepted your aha moment? I was like, oh.
1: Well, I don't know how much time you've spent on the Bitcoin talk forums. Yes. But it is a very, very interesting cesspool of people. Mm-hmm. And so I just rabbit holed hard on Bitcoin talk and like for every question you can possibly think of, there's a thread with a thousand posts on it, probably still being debated to this day for any (laughs) question you can think of. So, uh, you know, little by little, I was just like, wow, this is actually pretty baked. And, you know, the weird thing about Bitcoin is like when you look at an investment, typically the more you know about it, you find all the warts. You find like all the things that are not good about it all the hidden things that you know you don't you want to gloss over whatever bitcoin is the opposite you see all the warts to start with and it's only like once you start digging into it you see the the inner beauty which i guess that sounds cheesy but truly it it gives its worst face first which is like the opposite of every investment i've ever looked at ever so uh uh you know as you kind of look more and more you just become more fall more in love i guess
0: Uh, no it's uh it's a very common theme here on tales from the crypt and It's, I love that you said it's, uh, it presents its warts, its ugliness, like abruptly, like right in front of you, 10 minute block times, uh, very few transactions per second. Uh, You got to wait for a certain amount of blocks before you can have a degree of certainty that your UTXO is buried into the chain far enough. And um, this is something that, so coming from like the traditional financial background, this is something that we talk a lot about on this show is trying to have the people from traditional finance come to these aha moments, but it seems hard like there's a uh, a natural like mental barrier for for most people so is there anything like philosophically growing up uh,
1: yeah so I got I I was lucky because um, so I got into investing when I was uh, in middle school I started with seven thousand dollars in the stock market turned it into two hundred and fifty thousand dollars while I was in high school boss yeah felt like a badass
0: What uh, what were you trading?
1: Mostly all the things that somebody my age would like. Oh, Apple, that's cool. I should get that. Google, that's cool, which is just like, you know, lucky. But uh, it was a good time to be buying stocks. And then the financial crisis came and I lost a fortune. Like of my 250K, I don't even want to tell you what percentage of it I lost, but it was very bad. It was winter, winter pricing. And I had bought a lot of banks. Once the banks started going down, I'm listening to the news, you know, thinking I'm a financially literate and every bank CEO is like, Oh, everything is peachy, peachy. And you know, some of the stocks I bought down 95%, 98%. I mean, just horrendous. And so I went on this quest to kind of find out how did everyone miss this? And it turns out not everyone did miss it. And that was surprising to me. Like, why was that not covered more? This led me down the path to discovering Austrian economics. I'm very lucky that I'm in Alabama we have the Mises Institute in Alabama which is the biggest Austrian uh, think tank that I really think in the world but definitely in the United States. So I was uh that's at Auburn University so I was able to be exposed to that. And then at the same time uh my current CTO and I were running a nonprofit that did micro lending. I don't know if you know much about microfinance, but um, basically writing financial products to people who are unbanked. And so we were doing that in the Black Belt of Alabama which is the poorest part of the United States. And so we just happened to be in this like right place, right time of, you know, understanding how shitty the financial system is for most people, understanding how broken financial markets were generally. Then also at the same time, discovering radical free market economics, like radical. And it's like all of those things were infusing right at the right moment. And then my friend sends me an article. Have you seen this Bitcoin thing? So it's just luck, natural.
0: Yeah, no, that's another big topic on this. Uh, show is Austrian economics I was an econ major in college too and it's funny you go through uh, at least in today's American university system if you're studying economics in particular you go through four years of school you get a degree which is supposed to represent a a well-rounded understanding of the subject that you just studied but it turns out you're only learning one facet of of that school or one school of thought within a a huge overarching theory that is economics or not even theory of study which is economics you, oh.
1: and you gotta love the, the beauty of like uh, the circular logic. Just uh, default rates, oh, zero. That's what that's gonna be our operating uh, uh, thesis for how we we're gonna measure risk on bonds and somebody's like, that doesn't just rationally doesn't
0: make sense. It's like, well, oh well. Well, it's like there's a detachment from reality going on. So you talk about like default rates. You can talk about CPI um, working, uh, uh, sort of manipulating the um, unemployment rates uh, by not taking participation rate and consideration stuff like that it seems like uh the traditional financial world is becoming more and more detached from reality by the decade uh i believe i would argue bitcoiners would argue it's a product of monetary policy getting getting out of hand are you somebody who totally yeah
1: and you know it's interesting it's it, if you look at like uh the soviet union how did the soviet union get to where it was how did no one see the soviet union collapsing even just a couple of years before it collapsed It's like they have to distort truth in order to perpetuate the status quo of what they're doing. And so you, you know, if inflation is going to challenge what you're doing, you change the definition of inflation so that there is no inflation. And it's just like these word games that are ridiculous. Um, yeah, totally,
0: totally. Yeah, it's something, uh, we've got a couple guests in in the room right now, but something the guest to my left, Dwayne and I were talking about at lunch, um, earlier today was, uh, what were we, what the hell was I just about to go now were we um, we were uh we were talking about disconnect from reality Austrian oh, economics all right I forget that um <laughs> but oh um we were talking about only knowing that you're you're going through a crisis in retrospect, mm. so that's what I said we could be going through something bad that, that we look back in retrospect like oh yeah, it's obvious. Things were wrong. Like Bitcoin was the obvious answer. So for, to us, it seems like obvious that
1: oh, totally. That's man. happening right now mm-hmm. for sure. I mean, we, uh, you know, people who lived in the dark ages didn't call it the dark ages. Exactly. Like if you were a surf, you didn't realize you were a surf. It takes detachment from that environment in order to be able to identify it. So like I'm a big believer that we live in a modern dark ages, and you know, instead of the Catholic Church dictating what knowledge is, we have, you know, the federal government and our institutions that really control the source of knowledge and people's access to power, et cetera. And You know, back in the day, if you wanted to be an up-and-coming uh, man of the world and have some influence, you became a, you know, I don't know if the priest is the right word, but you entered into the Catholic Church and you, it was a political uh, a- apparatus, and you know, we've just recreated that system. It's a modern day of serfdom, except now the farm that you you live on is much larger, so you know as long as you don't go across the border you're okay but otherwise you got to make sure you're paying your taxes every year to the to the the
0: fiefdom to the fiefdom yeah we're we debts debt slaves right now debt yeah, serfs that's um, right and so are you optimistic or, or pessimistic about the future of of this this oh. debt fiefdom that we find ourselves well, i'm
1: in? i'm in incredibly optimistic incredibly optimistic the most bullish time maybe in the the dark well the dark ages was the best time to find opportunities, because after the Dark Ages, you you have the Enlightenment era. All mm-hmm. right, like it can only get better, right? So I I think the next 100 years are going to be incredible, and you know I see I see you know the computer and the internet is like our modern modern printing press, and uh, when you had the printing press 1300s, people could actually read the shit that they were being told. All right. That changed a lot of minds and then you couple with that. And I don't think these are coincidences. You have the double entry accounting system emerge at basically the exact same time the printing press emerges. And now you liberate the financial interactions between people. And so for the first time, you're able to have companies and the trading empires that are able to, you know, trust strangers effectively, not be just family owned enterprises. Uh, So I think crypto, specifically Bitcoin, that's our, our triple entry accounting system. And so I think those two things mirrored together, they bring in a new golden age. They liberate people to go and create value independent of the institutions that in, formerly enslaved them. And it doesn't in a way where it's not like a revolution where we have to go wave guns in the street. We just make the old system irrelevant. We just, it's like what you know Uber did to taxis. It's just like no one even cares. It's just made it irrelevant.
0: No, it's, uh, it reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from a Bitcoiner, Neil Woodfine. Shout out, Neil. Uh, if, uh, Bitcoin does become successful. Neil, Yeah. yeah, All right, cool. Yeah. If Bitcoin does become successful, it will usher in the next enlightenment because it forces people to think about monetary policy, philosophy, computer science, mathematics, game theory, um, sort of forces people to think.
1: Uh, Eh? I don't know. I'm, I'm less maybe bullish on people. I think they like, (laughs) they like to be lazy. I don't blame them. It's nice, but. You know, you think about it, like half the planet doesn't have a bank account. You know, how many jack maws of the world are rice farmers right now because they just lack access to basic financial tools that if they had them, they would be building the next amazing breakthrough technology. So literally right on its face, half of human potential is just lost mm-hmm. because these people are not able to plug into the the system in which they're able to socially cooperate and create value. Truly
0: yeah. And so Bitcoin opens up this opportunity now. And Absolutely. So what types of innovations and so that obviously there's an opportunity cost to, to living under the monetary and financial system that we do uh, now, which uh, can be sanctioned, can be censored, can uh, basically wipe somebody off, deplatform people if, if they wanted to. Now to a Bitcoin world where not only that is not possible, but now anybody with a cell phone and you don't even need an internet connection anymore. You just need to be able to connect to a node connected to a satellite or something. Hey,
1: or send smoke signals. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, um, dude, I think, I think that that's the interesting question. What is, what does the world look like when all of these people are plugged in and they actually have some sort of skin in the game and some mechanism in order to impact change? I don't know. That's what more people should be focusing on. And and think it's going to be quite the movie to watch, you know, the the Dark Ages, kind of the overthrow of the Catholic Church was mostly peaceful, but there were a couple of people who ha- had to be burned at the stake also during that time. So uh, uh, I think if you give a lot of people knowledge and power to take care of their own economic freedom, th- there's going to be a little bit of drama. A period a of, of drama. tumult, if yeah, you will. Yeah.
0: No, that's uh, this is going like straight into like the sovereign individual theory. Like they talk about the 500 year super cycles and. The last inflection point was a printing press that destroyed the church. And as you've been describing, mm. the inflection point that we've been born into is the internet and Bitcoin coupled together. And it's crazy being born in that inflection point, right? I like know. in that, in we're that. We're
1: so lucky. We're, I mean, it's like incredible that we have like a front row seat and not just a front row seat. Like we, we're getting to direct the movie too, which is just, I mean, dude, so special. So special. It's so
0: special. It's scary too, right? It's just like rip your face off pace of change. It's scary for a lot of people. It feels like society is like, trying to grasp the hold on to to how fast things are changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, so I look at kind of like three different points in history and I'm sure you could go back further in this, but you have the emergence of writing at the same time you have the emergence of uh, basically the single entry accounting system and a form of money and like society is born. And then fast forward to the printing press and to the double entry accounting system. And we go from like, feudal society to where we are today and it's like you know just think about how big of a change that has been like i mean it's un- if you if you gathered all of the the artisans together at the time and you said imagine what the gdp of the world will be in the year 2100 they couldn't even fathom one building one cell phone that sits in someone's pocket was beyond the total aggregate compre- comprehension of all people and so it's just like Wow. I mean, we're not creative enough to even know what, you know, 100 years from now can look like in this world. It's going to be amazing.
0: All right. Are we going to space?
1: Absolutely. You know, I, I think it would be really cool, quite poetic, if if Bitcoin becomes the mechanism by which uh, we finance uh, uh, space exploration in the same way that when we had the double entry accounting system, shortly thereafter, we have the first stock uh, uh, issuance, first uh, joint stock companies Mm -hmm. and then we have the first stock market just like a hundred years later and that financed uh ship exploration and that's how the Dutch went from a tiny little rock to literally like running the world and then they basically took over England with you know uh, William of Orange going over marrying into the family so it's like uh uh, that was like a new technology that enabled like the discovery of a new world it'd be cool if Bitcoin could do the same
0: no it was uh it reminds me of a piece that uh A man named Connor Brown wrote last week sort of uh, arguing with the naysayers who say Bitcoin has no intrinsic value, so therefore can't be valuable or useful at all, Uh, and comparing it to other stores of value like real estate and gold in particular, which have little intrinsic value. Um, But basically, Bitcoin opens up the opportunity where people do not have to store their value in something like land or gold, and then uh, basically allows for a better allocation of capital because people aren't worried about using their gold or their houses as stores of value. Instead, you can open up gold to create machinery that can take us to space that can oh. go mine asteroids and stuff like that. So we were talking about the, um, opportunity cost of people, uh, not being part of the financial and internet world. Now that's just one aspect of it. Like think about like, uh, another aspect is opening up capital to be allocated in a different way, which leads for, probably more efficient, better investments in the long run.
1: Totally. Totally. You know, it's, uh, you know, we just, humans in general suffer from such a lack of creativity. And, you know, you talk to any economist or any person who comes from the powers that be, and all they see is um, projection of the status quo and things getting worse. So it's like, you know, any day now, there's going to be population decline. You know, any day now, we're going to have just rapid, you know, rampant stagnation, etc. It's like... You know, I think the population is going to explode. Like, we start putting people in space, give them the mechanism to 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 create value, make money. Like, we're going to have a hundred trillion people in a hundred years from now. Like, and it's going to be you know <laughs> a whole new set of people saying this is this is the end. We're going to not have any more growth, but. Dude, I mean, I think just the continuation of what we've seen for the past ten thousand years is probably the same thing that we're going to see going forward for the next ten thousand years.
0: Yeah, we're pretty adaptable as a species, aren't we? Unbelievably so. Unbelievably so. Yeah, it's um. Yeah, again, going back to like the pace of change, seeing how, like like you were saying, there's naysayers who are, like doom and gloom, like oh, the world's going to end, the world's going to end, and uh, technology has changed drastically throughout my parents' lifetime. Like they remember the world without the internet, and obviously now with the internet and it was a big meme when the internet first came out and the iPhones came out. I was like, ah, the parents parents aren't going to be able to use this technology. Lo and behold, my mom's using an iPhone, texting, using Snapchat, all that stuff. But even more importantly, I look at my three-year-old nephew who can barely uh, read, but he knows how to uh, open his mom's iPhone, find pictures of himself, find videos. Like it's just the world is becoming more uh, sort of innately uh, digital for for a new generation If you could
1: go back 40 years and tell people we'd have three-year-olds running supercomputers Forty <laughs> years later <laughs> people would be like you you're you need to go to the crazy house right bullshit <sighs> yeah i, don't, I uh I, I think the future is unbelievably bright and i you know one of the cool things about bitcoin that i've always thought was super promising and we really haven't seen that much of it i actually wish this would come back into the narrative in a big way but it's machine-to-machine transactions.
0: Machine payable web, baby.
1: Yeah. And so, like, what, what happens when, you know, machines are able to start growing and building the economy around us and then human activity is really just a minority subset of all economic activity? I mean,
0: I not, yeah.
1: that's a world that no one's really spending much time thinking about, but that's going to happen for sure.
0: That's a, that's a heavy thought. Most that's acti- a, Most economic activity not coming from humans, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's probably kind of... Already like that in some senses. I know, you know, what's interesting about uh, uh, money is like I feel like people uh, they ascribe the wrong purpose to money. Like money is a tool to enable social coordination. That's all it is in a decentralized way. So all of us think that we're free agents, like roaming around, but we all suffer from the same in, innate wants, desires, uh, greed, etc. And so we have things that are prices that are purely a construct of people's demand for certain goods, et cetera, and they tell people what to go do. So hey, if I can do something cheaper than the price that's presented, I can go do it and make money, and I can satisfy all the wants that I have. And so there's like this invisible hand that's instructing people what to go do, and they think they're in control of themselves, but their greed is driving them to go do what they do. It's like, uh, 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 you know, already so much of what people do is outside of their control, it doesn't really scare me that much that uh, if machines are doing activity, outside of you know human control, so right. to speak.
0: You talked about like tapping into greed. Bitcoin's incentive system is a perfect vehicle to tap into human greed. Totally. And it's it's beautiful to see how perfect it is. Like the the incentive uh, between the stakeholders of users, miners, developers, full node operators, whatever it may be. But we found over the first decade of this technology that it's is able to have like an emergent distributed sort of consensus and basically growth strategy where it's like, Hey, everybody's looking out for their best interests. Everybody's being as greedy as possible. And that's just the, what makes Bitcoin work.
1: So I can get pretty far out there on some stuff. Let's so, go, you know, let's go. But like, uh, uh, people wonder like, how, like how did inorganic matter become organic matter? And I feel like, uh, uh, what we're watching right now is like the analog world moving to the digital world. And we're watching this, this formation of this new organism. And you ask yourself, like, you know, how do all of these individual cells in your body somehow coordinate together to express a sing singular thought? Like when, where does that consciousness arise from? And it's like, all right, well, when you look at the price of any good, you have millions and millions of individual actors that are all completely independent of each other. But they're all operating by the same rules of the system, so to speak, and then they express this one distinct price. That's this this message that's then broadcast to all the different people who can see that price, have access to that price. It's like maybe that's how uh, how consciousness forms. Like maybe that's how all of our individual cells uh, somehow come together in this ecosystem of your body and and express one human unit. You know, I don't know. I think it's uh. Uh,
0: I think there's a lot of parallels. There's a lot of parallels. There is. It's one of my favorite. Uh, one of my favorite f- parallels is what is it when the group of birds is flying together? A murmur? A murmur? Is it the murmur? A flock? A flock? Well, when it, when they're flying together, but they turn in unison uh, very mm. quickly. I think it's a murmur when it's mm. a, a bunch of like swallows or, or not even swallows, but a bunch of blackbirds flying. It is a murmur. But that is like what Bitcoin is. It's just it's sort of people reacting in the moment with each other uh, because they're forced to sort of act as one unit to make sure that everybody's in consensus at any given point in time. Um, so, yeah, no, I think uh, I like to look at nature for something like, so like murmurs, like beehives, like another sort of like natural uh, hive mind, if you will, pun intended for totally. the bees um, and Bitcoin sort of helping humans coordinate in that way. Because right now you're saying the price is the mechanism that sort of signals to the market, how everybody's valuing everything. But the, the pricing mechanism of the money that we use is, is centrally coordinated. Yes. It's not it, it natural distorts. at all. It distorts. It gives yes. all the wrong
1: signals to everyone. So people go do the wrong things. Mm-hmm. So what we need is an, uh, 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 an unbiased form of value so that everyone's using the same yardstick to determine what is the best practical, valuable use of their time. And if we had that, people would be immensely more productive. I mean, um, uh, uh, people wouldn't be toiling. Uh, uh, I mean, this is something that's crazy. There's a billion people on the planet that make less than a dollar a day. There's 2 billion people on the on the planet that make less than $2 a day, all right? Uh, I think it's 80% of the population of the planet makes less than $10 a day. $10 a day. You're telling me that six billion, five billion people on this planet can't figure out how to do something that's more productive than $10 a day, and we got assholes on the city of New York doing nothing making $50 a day, all right? It's just... It, that's insanity, it's insanity. And it's not like those people are any different in terms of their intelligence or their ability or their smartness. This is completely a circumstance of where they were born, you know, what what shit into the stick they got. But, you know, it doesn't have to always be that way. I think that's what, that's what Bitcoin enables. It's a, a system without any privilege where the person in middle of nowhere has the same economic capacity to create value as the person in, you know, downtown San Francisco. And, you know, People are greedy. They're going to create value if they can. They, everyone wants a better life. There's no one who doesn't, like, dream of of a better future,
0: you right. know? No, I think people uh, in that 80% that you ascribe making less than $10 a day are probably more motivated and more driven than anybody, too. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's just giving them – like, that's one of my favorite uh, TED Talks of all time is the, the – uh, the guy who drops like a, a computer in the middle of india and in some poor village and literally anybody who wanted to come up and use a computer could use it what you found is like the six to ten year olds taught themselves english and quantum physics like within like three weeks <laughs> <laughs> Dope, cool <laughs> so that's just but that's just one information one example of information being basically opened to a population where it was never opened before and they were talking about Again 6 to 12 year olds were able to teach themselves a language and then a science within like a couple months because they were just so thirsty for For knowledge. Totally. Yeah Um, So is this a lot of this what drives what you guys are doing at BTC media? Why'd you start BTC media? Is this too? uh, So we started BTC media by accident. All right,
1: so uh Basically got into Bitcoin Price of Bitcoin goes way up First bubble, I guess that I really experienced it goes up to two two sixty Uh, and I'm like, all right, this, I should really evaluate whether this is something I want to invest a lot more time in. And I went to the Bitcoin, San Jose, Bitcoin 2013 conference, the dopest, coolest thing to this day I've ever been a part of really the most, one of the most special moments I've ever seen. Just the immense amount of, of, uh, mm, everyone having this shared recognition that like what is about to happen is a really big deal and like we have to be the ones to build it and like everyone is like you know you walk into the room at like 2 a.m in the hotel lobby and there's like 15 different groups of people huddled up in like three or four people and they're like conspiring together and it's just (laughs) the coolest it was the coolest thing but I, I went to this event and there's you know um Google engineers and Apple engineers and Adobe engineers and they're all pretending that they're sick they're all making up excuses why they're not at work because they don't want their boss to know that they're, they've snuck out to go to a Bitcoin conference Because at this time Bitcoin's still not really a kosher thing to talk about And, you know, they're all talking about what they're spending their weekends on building and look at this cool nifty thing and It's like, right, you got four hundred thousand dollar engineers Who are sneaking away from work to go to this conference because they're that excited about it And they're spending their precious time on the weekends building for it for free And there's like a thousand of them here at this one conference, it's like, all right, this uh, this is happening. And so I decided uh, I needed to go all in on Bitcoin. And uh, I applied to be employee number one at Coinbase. Got turned down. So I was like,
0: well, fuck this. Happy or mad about that? Yeah. Uh, well,
1: uh, well, I don't know. Olaf did pretty well. I think Olaf <laughs> got the, the title of uh, employee number one. But uh, no, so I just decided I'm just going to do my own thing. And um, I didn't really know what to do. But at this point in time, if you told someone that you were in Bitcoin, there was like 10 questions that every single person would ask, well, what's Bitcoin? How does it work? Why does it have value? Why would I want to use that? What's Bitcoin mining? How do I store it? Where can I spend it? Like the same, the same questions. And it was so annoying. You like, you wanted to start lying to people, but not really because you secretly want to evangelize it, you know? So, so we just made a magazine. We thought it was going to be a one-time thing called Why Bitcoin that just went through and answered in the best possible way each of these questions. So if someone asks you, you can just be like, here's a magazine, leave me alone. And uh, we got some great people to write articles for it. And uh, it was really successful by accident. And so um, we like, we got to do a second one. And then that became a third one and then a fourth one. And then before we knew it, we were buying out the only other print publication, which was a total shit show called Bitcoin Magazine. And then um, before we knew it, we were rolling up other media companies. And then, you know, we just kind of accidentally went from, hey, I'm gonna do one print publication so people will stop asking me questions to a portfolio of media companies all focused on, on Bitcoin and, and blockchain.
0: So did you uh, pick up Bitcoin magazine from Vitalik? Mm-hmm.
1: So that he could go do this wacky, crazy thing called Ethereum that we never thought was gonna work. And uh, I'm
0: not sure if it works yet. Either. Yeah,
1: no. <laughs> It's <laughs> a very good point. But uh, you know, I it did teach me a lesson that I'm not as smart as I think I am because everybody was like, Hey, you gotta invest this fifteen cents. You gotta invest this thirty cents. No it's, it's ninety cents, you gotta get in. You gotta get in. No, I'm not gonna do it. It's ten dollars, you gotta get in. No, I'm not gonna do it. Then, you know, three years later it's thirteen hundred dollars. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm a fucking idiot, all right? <laughs> Anyone in this industry who tells you that they know everything is full of shit. Right. They don't know. They don't know. Because this is just history unfolding in front of us. You can be informed and you can have good principles that drive that that drive you, but how this all shakes out, who knows?
0: Right? And it's crazy because Bitcoin is like an expanding universe that reveals itself to us every day. Like you're testing out the limits of the system totally. Every day and sort of figuring out how we can work within that. And it's funny to see that's why I'm excited to talk to you, how Bitcoin was marketed for a lot of the first decade and how brushing out with some of the limitations of the network sort of uh, really uh, really showed that some of those narratives and some of the, like the fast, easy, uh, basically, zero-conf payment uh, structure was, was the way Bitcoin was gonna scale. Obviously, as a turn around, we we're talking about the machine payable web, I'm interested to see if you think Lightning sort of enables that, that vision more innately, because you're talking to somebody who owned a 21 computer. And cool. uh, was was a part of the machine payable cool. for a while, um, but yeah, like so that's a, how you know Andrew. Yeah, that well, I know Andrew. I met Andrew in New York. Uh, talking about Andrew DeSantis, I met him at Consensus Europe, like two or three years ago. Ah, yeah, uh, we it. we had uh, chatted on Twitter and decided to uh, to meet up with him to talk talk Bitcoin. He actually, yeah, that's where, that's where I first heard your name was out of his mouth. Oh. He said, "You got to find this man, David Bailey. He's a boss." <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, Andrew, if you're hearing this podcast, shout out to you. Long time, long time no
0: see. <laughs> Because um, he was at Bitcoin Magazine too, right?
1: He was. He was. So, uh, you know, we uh, we were, I guess, at this point in time, like maybe four people, and then uh, uh, our current CTO Tyler and Andrew uh, were at school still, and they started this this. The Apple banned all Bitcoin wallets from the App Store, and so they created this like uh, work where you could get Bitcoin wallets on your iPhone. I think they were calling it the Bit Store. That's the one thing about Bitcoin. No one knows how to fucking name anything. Everything's bit or block or so he's like names are getting a lot better now than they used to back then. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, but, uh, uh, and they got some money to get this going, went up to Toronto, burned all the money, came back. They're like, yo, we're out of money. Can we post up here for a little while? It's like, yes. Welcome to my, to my, uh, uh, web. All right. <laughs> uh, I didn't know really shit about technology and both these guys are really good. So we they, they were very instrumental in us getting uh things rolling and then um you know as as businesses grow up things change. Uh so I Tyler's still here. Andrew went on to uh twenty one, uh did some stuff with Balaji. Uh was real hyped up on the twenty one computer. So much so much promise and potential there. I always loved the uh like the deploy your own sensors. Uh, and get paid as people ping ping your temperature data or whatever. I, I still mm-hmm. think that's like a
0: killer, killer application. Well, that's what I like. I think this is enabled now with the Lightning Network. Maybe not on chain, but we're talking about uh, Blockstream. I'm sure they're. I'm pretty sure with their satellite, they're enabling just what you're describing. Like if somebody wants to send weather information via the satellite, they can mm. do it and charge uh, basically like a stream of Lightning payments for that data. Um, cool. And so. I guess, yeah, it's like going back to how the narrative has changed. Like, mm, yeah, sorry. It's just
1: it's a winding conversation. Yeah, it's yeah, is right, yeah, yeah, Tales yeah. from the Crypt. There's yeah. just
0: no structure at all. Um, I'm
1: starting to understand where the name comes from. All right, so yeah. cool. All
0: right. See, it's, it's, yeah, it's not Tales from the Crypto because I didn't want to be as yeah. as uh, obvious as you were just describing. Yeah. And Marty's Ben is just Marty's bent because I don't want to have like an avert like this is the daily Bitcoin newsletter. But um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, so, and you're saying like you you wish Bitcoin was almost like more like it was in the in the early days where people were more mm. creative and so how has the scene changed as more more people come? I mean, it's inevitable if we think Bitcoin's going to become successful, more people are going to come, but is the are are the newcomers sort of encroaching on the original vision in your mind?
1: So You know, this is where this is where I get in trouble saying things, and this is why I don't have a, a public pr- profile, but, you know, we, um, we, so because we uh, had a media company, we had to get advertising dollars. Uh, we had to have advertisers, all right? And this is a point in time where everyone's broke, so there's very few people who can advertise. And so, literally, I spent a year traveling around the world, going to meetups in Buenos Aires and Tel Aviv and Berlin and and Hong Kong, et cetera, meeting all these different Bitcoin scenes. And so, you know, we met and interfaced with a lot of Bitcoin companies, probably more companies than any other organization out there in the crypto landscape. And so like uh, I knew Jihan from Bitmain when it was four people and they had one guy who spoke really bad English. Selling miners uh, uh, from like a little foldable table, about how they're going to bring mining back to the home, and they were going to bring down the corrupt titans that were Butterfly Labs at the time and uh, KNC miner, and like uh, I knew Eric Voorhees when Eric was running uh, uh, what's the dice game Uh, Satoshi dice Satoshi dice, and uh, like a
0: bandit on that deal.
1: mm, Well. The story may be more complicated than okay, it appears okay. on the surface, but the uh, uh, you know and and like I I remember, dude. I mean, just like all of these different communities, there were these different leaders that had kind of brought Bitcoin to, to that location, and it was amazing how even if you lived in Argentina or China or the United States if you discovered Bitcoin, you were almost of this like meta society, like this, like shared principles group and like, you got along perfectly. I mean, it was just like every conversation you had was like completely organic friendships developed. It was super cool. And so I know kind of the, the, the impetus and thesis and mindset that a lot of people who have ended up building successful businesses and then today are either hated or loved. We remember what it was like, like, in their very very early days and these guys are hardcore bitcoiners i mean they love bitcoin mm-hmm. and you know it's uh, a little bit distressing to see someone who uh, jihan i think is like for i'll use jihan as an example here but this applies to i mean literally 50 plus entrepreneurs at least in the space jihan uh is like 29 years old i believe um you know, translates the Bitcoin white paper when he is, uh, I guess 23 or 22, uh, launches a mining company to take on the corrupt mining companies that exist at the time because they were like, almost every one of them was a scam, builds a company of 4,000 people. (laughs) I mean, it's unbelievable. In one year does billions, billions in revenue. If they were in America, they'd be on the Fortune 500. And then you go on a crypto Twitter and it's like, yeah, fuck that guy. What has he ever done for Bitcoin? And it's like, literally everything. He's dedicated his life to it. And so it's like, you know...
0: um, Well, I'm one of those haters. I've said it many times on this podcast. Not a hater. I I do agree that Bitmain, we would not be as far along as we are, particularly with ASIC, uh, ASIC chips as we are without Bitmain. I, I've said that Bitmain is the the Icarus story of early crypto, where where they flew a little too close to the sun, uh, thought their shit didn't stink, and and sort of got uh, sort of got reprimanded by Mother Bitcoin. Who, uh,
1: yeah, no, they were the David versus Goliath, mm-hmm. and then they beat Goliath unbelievably so, and then became Goliath, and then a new David shows up and beats Goliath, and it's like, yeah, fuck Goliath, you know, but it's <laughs> just a cycle. It's just a cycle, and you know, it's like. Um, you know, with retrospect, everything seems so clear. But in the moment, in the time when everything's being made up kind of for the first time, people don't know. They don't know what's right and wrong. They don't know what the, what the how things are going to shake out. So they just kind of uh, uh, go with what feels right, I guess.
0: That uh, no, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. Like, Bitcoin is an expanding universe that's revealing itself to us. And I think, I mean, basically what we're beating around the bush here is the fork wars and... uh some people thought the Bitcoin universe was expanding and revealing information in a certain way and decided big blocks was the way and really stuck their flag in on that. And the market showed that, I mean, I would argue the market showed that probably isn't the best way to go forward. And like you said, they're on the wrong side of the debate now at this point. And it's like, but with that being said, like I would love, I think of Roger in particular, because I feel bad for Roger. You look at Roger these days and he looks, he looks beaten, downtrodden. Like,
1: I mean, that was Bitcoin Jesus, right? I mean, he was going around the world evangelizing. <laughs> he, he put every, I mean, literally, if you had an idea that could help Bitcoin, he would just fund you without a business model. Just go, do it. Here's Bitcoin, go. All right. And now it's, he's Bitcoin Satan.
0: Bitcoin Judas, I think. People Bitcoin Judas. Ooh. Yeah. That's I, what that. People, I like that. Yeah, I Bitcoin did not, Judas. I did not coin that one. Oh. But, um, no, it's, uh, so that's my mindset here is like it like long-term strategy, And that's why I'm interested to talk to you. BTC media has been around for a while. I think Bitcoin magazine, you guys have turned it into, uh, I mean, what, what you've done with Aaron van weird. and his writings and, uh, the Bitcoin focus over the years has been great. Um, some of the best information that the, uh, journalism the journalism around the four wars in particular, Aaron sure. sort of describing what's going dude, on. Dude, Aaron's amazing. And what's it like working with him, dude,
1: you know, Aaron's a historian and, uh, when we first started working with Aaron, he was coming over for, he worked at coin telegraph and he was writing like the weekly, uh, never crypto Kil- news roundup or something. And he was summarizing the little tidbits of stories for this shitty email they sent out. And what's amazing about Aaron, he's a smart guy, super smart guy, super cool guy, but he's a really good listener. And so he'll just listen. Won't interrupt. He'll ask smart questions. And like, he actually cares about learning. And then because of that, developers like to talk to him and so he learns from them and then he just gets smarter all the time. It's like he's a, just a super cool guy. Another person you should chat to, chat with. He's he's had a whole nother world of, of bitcoin and crypto that he's seen that I haven't seen.
0: Oh, I'm I'm in his DMs, don't worry. Aaron and I <laughs> actually I actually have corresponded with Aaron once. It was me, him, uh, and Laurent from oxt.me and, and and a dev from blockchain.info. Laurent uh, called for help on twitter for people to come help him uh, do research on the the spam attacks over the summers of 2015 mm. 2016 like what was th- that
1: company called that did as a marketing stunt which was pretty clever i got
0: um i'm not i'm not sure i know the company exactly. there was like
1: an exchange or something that like we're like we're gonna stress test the the, uh, the blockchain and spam it they got so of, much marketing out of it
0: they sent a bunch of dust transactions yeah yeah, yeah yeah so laurent sent out that like calling card like hey anybody wants to like help me look up the spam attack uh, me me in the slack room it was like me Aaron and Laurent and I was like that was my introduction like personal introduction Aaron Aaron if you're listening check your DMs there's an invite to come on the podcast Mm. in there Um, no and that's but going back to like the what I was getting at by bringing up Aaron is I think Bitcoin Magazine BTC Media in particular has had a focus over the last seven years that has really paid off for you guys um, that
1: well I want to I want to Challenge that a little bit. You know, we we have focus now. Mm-hmm. We haven't always had focus, and you know, uh, um, we should come back to this element because Aaron plays plays uh, a, a part of that story, that uh, important role. But I I want to I want to hit something before we we move on, which hit was it. the uh, the Roger. Um, uh you know uh, the 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 bitcoin civil war and i'm going to say something really controversial right here people are sometimes wrong
0: crazy why would you ever say that yeah
1: <laughs> i mean <laughs> not everyone can be like uh the twitterati and and be 100% right about everything all the time not everyone has that amazing magical mystical ability all right so uh sometimes people can be wrong and sometimes it takes people a long time to figure out that they're wrong and when people figure out that they're wrong they shouldn't have to eat a pile of dog shit to change their mind right and i feel like you know in fact i don't just feel like this i know this if roger wanted to say if he just wanted to say hey, guys, I've learned a lot from all of this. I thought I got how it was all going to play out, but I was wrong. People would not accept that. I would accept that. So an
0: example of somebody who did this is Wences. Wences Cesaris. Mm. He Mm. was on the wrong side of the fork wars. He came out after. Has he been on the podcast? He's a cool dude. He's not. Wences, I'm in your DMs as well. (laughs) (laughs) Peep them. Um, No, but I I do think, and I've said this on this podcast before, like I would... Like I'm not gonna trust Roger. Like uh Have you met Roger before? I have not. Dwayne has. Um super cool dude. Yeah.
1: Uh um, just don't fight him with karate, he'll 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 fuck you up. No jujitsu. Ju- yeah. no Whoops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Roger, if you heard that, please don't beat me
0: up. <laughs> no, but i was like if you were, like I'm not gonna start a business with him, but it's like, hey, if you wanna come back and like evangelize Bitcoin again, let's do it. Like mm. And that's what, I feel bad for Roger right now. Like I was saying, like, I've seen, and I don't know him, so I don't know Roger. Maybe I shouldn't be talking about him. But it seems just, like, as an observer, as somebody who's been documenting and watching the uh, the progression of Bitcoin and the the people within it, um, I think right now, like, just using body language on YouTube, videos, he, he seems like, oh, I'm wrong, and I'm, I, I still gotta, like, go down this path, and he seems stubborn. he's a very hard-headed person. Yeah, stubborn, man. Yes,
1: he's stubborn. And- yeah. Which is a good thing and a bad thing. You know, it depends on, you know, the situation. But it's a question for you. If you were hanging out with Roger and y'all took a selfie and you posted on your Twitter. I'd get hate. You'd get hate. Yeah. That's
0: crazy. I know. That's crazy. I'm also a kid from Philly and I don't give a fuck. Yeah. So, Perfect. Um,
1: so that's the type of corrosiveness that we don't need because that's not, that is not productive.
0: Well, that's a funny point to bring up because... The corro- the the corrosiveness it's probably stems because Bitcoin is money and people get really emotional when people try to fuck with their money. So that's what I think. Like a lot of the hate is like, "Don't fuck with my money." Is uh, is like a lot of people saw Bitcoin Cash as an attack on their money. And um, sure,
1: that's fair. That's fair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, that's not an individual person to hate. You know, yeah. No. Like uh, uh, don't hate the player, hate the game, so to speak. You know. So. You can be upset about a a controversial fork and that's legitimate, but you shouldn't put yourself in a position where you personally dislike someone to the degree where you're not even allowed to be around them. Like that's how we ended up in the situation where someone who loves Bitcoin, who has a tiny disagreement becomes radicalized into the, what what did Jihan tweet? Fuck your mother. Fuck
0: Fuck your mother. If you want to fuck. Yes, exactly.
1: Like, you know, I wish I'd been there that night that, that he posted that. I don't, I'm curious what the circumstances were around it. But, uh, I mean, that's like radicalization. And that comes from just like getting hit from too many sides. And like, you know, then blood's on both sides. And well, then people are feuding over the, the things that are different than what the original fight was over.
0: I completely agree with you. and like We can analogize this to like leftist politics today. If you don't fall within like the certain Venn yes. diagram of everybody, you are outcasted. Yes. And so- we
1: cannot eat our own. Right like we cannot I mean yes exactly and it's like there's this uh, virtue signaling that goes on in the space where you know if you are the most righteous you know purest Bitcoiner then you know somehow that that entitles you to Twitter fame and it's bullshit.
0: I'm probably guilty of this. I'm definitely guilty of this. I've definitely clout chased on Twitter for righteousness definitely in the past.
1: I thought you were from Philly. That you I didn't hear about Philly. this stuff.
0: No, but it's, it's. You do feel a little pressure. Like, hey, let me, uh, let me signal that.
1: You know, I saw the biggest virtue signal campaign the other day that agitated me to the point where I actually tweeted something. And I just. I only typically just show my own stuff on, on Twitter. So I don't tweet things I actually think. But the, uh, uh, this rollback that was so controversial. Mm-hmm. And it's like, God forbid that we describe a feature of Bitcoin as it works rather than all of us just pretending that that's not how it works because pretending makes it real somehow. I don't know. It's like, like uh, people know that there's such a thing as orphaned blocks Mm -hmm. and that there's just that naturally effectively occurs in Bitcoin less so now, but formally all the time. Like there's a reason we wait for six confirmations before we accept a transaction. Like, when did that become, a, a, like, a, a moral thing with if you wait for six confirmations or, you know, three confirmations is, like, fuck you if you wait for three? I, I don't know.
0: You know, it's, uh, it's in within the limits of proof of work, right? Like it is technically possible.
1: Yes. And so, like, maybe there's a, a... Now, if you calculate the math, it becomes astronomically absurd to roll back anything significant. But, like, maybe if Coinbase got hacked one day and 10% of all Bitcoins were stolen... There's a, uh, a, a formula that someone could run that says, hmm, maybe it's worth bribing miners to roll back three blocks so that we could save 10% of all Bitcoin. And the math works. Like, we shouldn't hate. That that's a thing that happens. And that and can happen. Yeah, it could happen. And it should. There's nothing wrong with that happening in that circumstance. If it's economically viable to do, it should be done. Like, if, like if there's an attack vector against Bitcoin that can be attacked, people should attack it. Bitcoin doesn't survive because of people's virtue signaling. Like, if we required virtue signaling for Bitcoin, to dis- we would not be here today. Bitcoin would be done. So, you know, it's, it's just, all, just all these people on their high horse, and it's like turning all this stuff into moral issues, and it's like, guys, we're building a technology. We're trying to change the world. We don't have to virtue signal about how much we care about decentralization we're building a decentralized financial system that should be enough virtue signaling for everyone right
0: just the the, just the mere coin. participation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it is uh, again like i'm definitely not like not intense apart, but like i am on twitter like trying to add to the conversation and stuff and you you can feel it like there is definitely a competition of thought a thought competition if you will but i do want to stress like we said earlier we do not want to become like the hardcore radical left here in the states where you have to agree with 8,000 things or, or you're not within the party lines and you get tossed out.
1: We need to be a positive, forward-looking, inspiring community, and we need to ignore dumb ideas. You know, if every dumb idea
0: you heard required a reaction to it, you would spend all day just responding to dumb ideas. That's what I interviewed uh, Andrew Torba from Gab last weekend, and that's like t- what we dove into. Is like, if you don't like something, mute it. Like, block it. Just don't listen to it. Unfollow, and it seems like people in this day and age don't have that ability to to ignore. Uh, they need to. They need to be outraged. Outrage culture is a thing. Outrage culture is such a... totally, <laughs> and it pisses me off.
1: <laughs> I'm outraged about it.
0: <laughs> it goes back to this disconnection from reality, right? The virtue signaling has more merit than merit today, right? And, and then, then logic and and the truth, right? We live in a world that, again, is disconnected from reality. The, again, going back to like the leftist party lines, I would argue that a lot of it, it is impossible to fall within all those, those sort of baskets. Um, and it's, it's a virtue signal to basically make sure everybody's feelings are okay. It,
1: it's, the, it's an attempt to create a new hierarchy mm-hmm. that's ranked by uh, uh, the purest, uh, as determined by the mob. And it's not not a good (laughs) spot to be in. I'm just saying that's historically we have a good track record of that being a bad thing to do. So, but I'll, I'll get off my soapbox on it, but you know, I feel like we're one of the few companies that, that can say all this with some credibility because we saw a different time when there wasn't this dynamic and you know, crypto Twitter wasn't a thing. And, uh, uh, you know, we saw people for, who they were and what they wanted to build and what inspired them and dude, there are some really cool people out there who have just been completely pushed away from Bitcoin. You know, Eric Voorhees. I don't know if you follow Eric Voorhees or if you read his blog. I think it's called uh, Money in State. Eric Voorhees is a poet. Like he is.
0: He helped. He helped red pill me when I was first getting in. Like reading his stuff about it. No, um, yeah, it's like Eric is, again is another another character that causes much contention.
1: Uh, Stephen Pear. All right, I'm I shouldn't be just naming people cuz if people hear this they're going to be like why did you call me out? But like Stephen Pear, like uh if I had to like name like five people that have uh affected my thinking and inspired me to be in this space, Stephen Pear is one of them. He one time told me that the only thing that matters is that you acquire as much bitcoin as you possibly can right now because it's 121 millionth of everything and It doesn't matter how much money your business makes it can't exceed owning a fraction of 121 millionth of everything and it's like all right that's a bitcoin bull maximalist if you've ever heard one
0: that's a chad right there yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) and now it's like you know talk to steven and he's like yeah i don't know how i feel about bitcoin anymore all these people they're so angry and it's like dude you just Mm."
0: Is Bitcoin socially scalable? Is it going to get to a point where too many people are cloud chasing and it just becomes untenable because uh, it's just not socially coordinate, like coordinateable? Well, this that a is word? the
1: thing. Bitcoin doesn't care. Right. So you know, like uh, everything, it's about separating, you know, signal from noise. Crypto Twitter is just all noise. It's just noise all the time. You know, Bitcoin does not give a fuck what you say on Twitter. Thank doesn't God. It even know that Twitter exists. Yes. Thank <laughs> God. <laughs> So, um, anyway, anyway,
0: how can we fix the discourse? What do you think needs to happen?
1: Well, so I guess this is part maybe where we can get into, uh, the story I was just mentioning about why Bitcoin magazine can't say that it's been purely focused on Bitcoin. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, as we've seen all of these waves come and go, you know, for a long time, I've considered myself not a Bitcoin maximalist, but a Bitcoin maximizer, all right, which means make as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. That is the real message of Bitcoin. All right. Just mm-hmm. go and 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 be a pirate, make as much Bitcoin as you possibly can. So, you know, we we're opportunist with our business in terms of seeing where the market is, seeing where there's business opportunities, seeing where the market is willing to spend money and then providing a product or a service that makes us money. I again, I want to apologize to everyone who's hearing this, that we're a business and we try to make. Money, I hope everyone's okay with that um, and so, you know, we We have kind of I guess wandered through token forest And like been there and wandered back out (laughs) (laughs) And you know, I mean, uh, uh We have our hands in a lot of stuff. I guess um, you know We're low-key because we don't want people to know all of the things that we're we're involved in or um connected to necessarily but like we own for example uh one-third of the biggest ico platform in the world uh in china before it was shut down by the chinese government what was this uh this was in 2017 that it was shut down Mm -hmm. uh and it was called ico age it's the most profitable business i've ever seen in my entire (laughs) life it was (laughs) what a great business what a great business but the um uh and like you know we you know, this, this suite is paid for. Well, maybe I shouldn't say who was paid for, but the, uh, in the room beside us, or several of the Ethereum co-founders. All right. Like, um, we've been there, we've seen all this stuff. We've been a part of the Genesis of a lot of this stuff. And you know, we're open-minded people who are saying like, if you can build something cool on blockchain, or if there's a, Permissioned blockchain application that someone makes that works and like creates value like show it to us and like we'd love to see it because um, You know got Godspeed so to speak but um, After a certain amount of time goes by and you don't see it You start becoming uh, a little disillusioned and then you know when crypto winter comes Which it always comes uh it forces you to look at what your priorities are both personally, professionally, as a business, et cetera. And so, you know, there was a point in time like last year in 20, in 2017, God, 2017 was such a good year, 2018, where we, we hit basically 90, 90 employees. Uh, we were spread out across, I don't know, 10 businesses. Maybe it's more or less than that. I don't know. Um, some of them, were blockchain focused some of them were token focused you know and and when winter came and business is hard you know business requires focus to be successful and so like you know when things are everything's going up it's very easy to paper over all of your problems by just throwing money at it which is the worst thing you can do but it's the easiest thing in Mm -hmm. the moment and then when things are going bad not only are is everything going bad all at once, but things that could be salvageable become not salvageable because you have no attention or time to give it, which a real business you hunker down and you give it the time and attention and you survive and you know, being successful in Bitcoin is all about surviving winters. Like that's just survival is the name of the game. And it's just hard to like, if we say this a lot now at the office, but if everything's a priority, then nothing's a priority. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, you know, we, there was a period in time where we were doing a lot of stuff and outside of Bitcoin and about, I guess, eight months ago, what, it's May right now. So maybe nine, 10 months ago, we were like, this is not fun. We're not having fun. We're, we're losing a ton of money every month. Uh, we are dealing with fire after fire after fire. We have half of our time being diverted to projects that we really have no confidence that they're anything more than a science experiment it's like why why are we doing that and aaron von warden came and sat down with me and was like uh uh david i know you're excited about all of these things that we're doing but i think you're missing the biggest kind of gap in the market which is no one's focused on bitcoin like btc And I think that if uh, we shifted and changed our business, that there's actually a big market segment out there for us to go and pursue. And so it's like, you know, that opportunity kind of snuck out of nowhere because when we got started, everyone was Bitcoin. And then just everyone became Bitcoin and then some, and then slowly over time you became, you know, the minority of your content was Bitcoin because there's so much noise being created at all these different places. And then before you know it like bitcoins like the minority thing that you're talking It wasn't an intentional decision. It just like organically evolved and so we looked at that and We're like, you know what? Fuck all this other stuff that we're doing let's just focus on what we love what's proven and Where we can have fun and like damn if we wouldn't live with a lot of regret if we were so spread thin that we picked the right technology, the right play, the right time and didn't make any money because we just spread ourselves too thin versus if we like gave it our all, knew that we left everything on the field so to speak and it just happened not to be Bitcoin that was the winner. Like I'd be much more okay with the second option than the first option. And so uh, uh, we reflected on this for a while and then it became kind of like once you kind of, we've got our mindset to like no more bullshit, Focus on fun, wide open Bitcoin opportunity, it became unignorable. Like every time we're having a conversation about anything that's not Bitcoin, it's like, wow, this is all just a sunk cost. Like, let's just stop talking about this topic and just <laughs> shift, shift gears. And so uh, we've really had a total mind shift change in our business. And so I would say Bitcoin has only, uh, Bitcoin Magazine was pure Bitcoin from I guess 2011 to let's say 2014, 2015. Then it slowly started getting infiltrated with non-Bitcoin stuff. I'm not going to call it bullshit, but just, you know, uh, uh, science experiments, let's Mm say. And then uh, uh, about six months ago, we only Bitcoin again, like completely focused on Bitcoin across the entire business, but especially at Bitcoin magazine. And um, uh, God, it's been so much better.
0: Has it? So much better. What's what's changed, mostly?
1: (sighs) Dude. First off, just the attitude at the the office, the cultural attitude at the office um, where it's like it's very hard to to really like uh, uh, feel natural in a role when you're having to wear a lot of different. I'm not going to call them different faces, but when you're having to have a a voice for this and a voice for that versus when you have one voice, you're focused on one thing and you truly authentically believe in it. Like, it becomes so much easier to talk about what you want to do. You know, product strategy becomes so much clearer because you're just building something that you would want to see for yourself. Like, it, it's just, uh, uh, it's a lot more fun to come into the office, and a lot more people at our company know what they should be doing because it's much clearer what the vision is, than spread across a whole bunch of stuff that people are, you know, if if the bull market's here, yay, you've made money. But it's, you know, when the bear market's here, it's like, oh, you've lost money and you don't fucking believe in the shit. I mean, <laughs> so.
0: No, as, a, as a Bitcoiner, like I'm fucking pumped that you guys have refocused. And when I said earlier that you guys have been focused throughout the years, I do think your Bitcoin coverage has been some of the best still uh, oh, yeah, throughout the years. totally, totally, like, totally. Uh, describing how Segway works, describing what was going on with Fork Wars, Aaron does an incredible job of explaining technical details. Totally. Um
1: you know, the, one of my proudest articles that we have is uh, our guide on um, uh, how to claim your Bitcoin cash and sell it. Mm-hmm. That's the best performing article we've ever written. Ever. Really? <laughs> and I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people we helped safely sell their Bitcoin cash.
0: Thank you for your service. Yeah.
1: Th- <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thank Aaron. Thank Aaron. He yeah. did the hard work.
0: No, but it's uh it's something 'cause we're talking about like old heads in the space. You're looking at Queenbase now, they're spinning out basically a, a shit quin casino, they're doing custody, they're doing staking. They seem like a company in my mind that's spreading themselves too thin and um it might be hurting them in the long run. Uh
1: every company in the space has to learn the lesson that we learned or they will they will learn it eventually at a higher cost. Like uh uh it's not a unique story to us. It's not a unique story to us. And you know, uh, uh, whenever you you say shitcoin casino, you know, whenever you look at a shitcoin casino, you should always just ask yourself: if you're trying to determine if someone is helping or hurting Bitcoin, what do they count their profits in? And if at the end of the day they're counting how much Bitcoin they have, they're helping Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I can tell you that Coinbase, Brian, that crew—they count Bitcoin. Do they? Yeah, dude. The the I can tell you they're not counting it in USDC or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> I figured
0: that. I, I, I see them trending more towards like Ethereum. Like I thought, um, dude, I'm trying to make Toshi. Most thing. of
1: the Ethereum co-founders count their profits in Bitcoin. Right. I, I mean, it's the the gosh, oh, maybe maybe this is what get me in trouble. the, the I like trouble. Uh, uh <laughs> You know, it's Bitcoin maximization.
0: It's the mother, yeah. We're maximizing Bitcoin, but it is it, it proves that everything's priced in Bitcoin, like it all comes back to Bitcoin at the end of the day and but I also do think like the uh, the all and the and the shitcoin and the casinos of you will do provide almost like a, an aurora of security because it confuses the authorities and People who could sort of choke choke Bitcoin if it was standing by itself, and was very obvious that that was going to uh, take on the world financial system. Whereas now you have thousands of coins, where it's like, oh, maybe it could be another one. Maybe we shouldn't worry about it yet. Yeah, and provides like a little bit of cover.
1: And we should thank all those ICOs marketing budgets for bringing so many people to crypto. All right, (laughs) because they'll come to Bitcoin eventually. They'll find it eventually. Right. Bitcoin has a natural gravity, like. You will use Bitcoin. Every person hearing this podcast, if they're not already using it, will eventually use it. You don't have a choice. Like, uh, it will force
0: you. Do you think it's inevitable?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Why is that? Because the world needs something like Bitcoin. And I have yet to see one person uh, propose a way to actually improve over the Bitcoin mechanisms. And like, if you go on, there's actually a great Bitcoin talk thread about this. Like, the, the places in which you can innovate around Bitcoin... The distribution of, of the tokens, or uh, the uh, I don't remember all the different the different vectors. There's only a few, there's only a couple that you can you can tweak around, and uh, uh, no one has come up with anything yet that's better.
0: Yeah, you try to make block times faster, more TPS. Like it's all vanity metrics. Yeah, it looks better on paper, but then you go and you look at the amount of hash power needed to get the, an equal amount of security that six bo- bitcoin confirmations has and nobody's even close like ethereum's second but it's still need 5x the time uh to get the same uh confirmation that your your transaction is buried in the blockchain
1: totally and uh I'm,
0: there's no free lunch no and it's uh it's been fun going on this ride it's been fun being a pirate, like you described earlier, I like that. I'm, I I want to refer to myself as a pirate more. I think I am going to start doing that. Freak, so I am Marty the pirate now. Um, there is a
1: pirate code, all right. So there is still there is still some rules of the sea, <laughs> but you know, you commandeer ships when it makes sense, and you make people walk the plank when it makes sense. But otherwise, you just drink a lot and you uh, count your doubloons and chase tail. What's it? Uh
0: <laughs> but what's it like being a pirate, right? Because it was. Uh it's taboo to be in Bitcoin, like you were describing earlier. Like, how has how the perception of your uh, family well, and extended totally, friends totally changed. changed? It's yeah. totally
1: changed. Uh, uh, you know, this is also one of the conclusions that we came to when we were talking. So, all right, let me take a step back. So, when we made the change to focus only on Bitcoin, we did a blog post. We announced the change. It was called Make Bitcoin Fun Again. And so, the reason why we made it titled it that, not because we're trying to uh, uh, channel Trump, um but because uh you know if we're gonna be focused on bitcoin full-time we have to be have fun doing it and when we looked at the bitcoin landscape when we were like all right if we were all full-time bitcoin what would it be like dude it is not it's not fun like it used to be fun like there used to be like memes and we used to put fucking dogs faces on nascars and make people watch it on television (laughs) and you know we used to pay people to blow up their iphones i mean like that was fun you know, so it was like, all right? If we're going to do this full time, we have to bring bring back the fun. Uh, what was what, now? I'm lost track of well,
0: it. How's the perception changed? Uh, oh, the,
1: all right, so you know, when Bitcoin was young, it was completely seen as illegitimate. You were a psycho if you were uh, involved in it, and so you really had nothing to lose by being kind of you know outspoken about. Kind of controversial ideas then as bitcoin gained legitimacy you saw this shift where everybody was like let's go fucking buy suits and let's go let's like we we are almost there where like big banks will will get bitcoin and we can really prove to people that this is a real thing and like you just gotta uh, appreciate that at the time we're all wanting bitcoin to succeed so that seems like the thing that can be done to like help it Mm -hmm. and then now we're so legitimate that really, the industry should be pivoting all the way back to the beginning of like, "Fuck you, we don 't need to impress you anymore like we've already like we already created a hundred billion dollar thing on the way to a ten trillion dollar thing on the way to even beyond, and so fuck you, like this is what Bitcoin is. if you don't like it, go away well
0: no, I completely agree, and i think I th- think we try to make things weird here at tales from the crypt and Marty 's Ben, we try to bring back a little bit of weirdness, and I wish I was around. To experience the weirdness, uh, (laughs) the early days that you did, but no, I agree. I have a sort of fuck you, this is inevitable mindset, uh, especially in my writing and on this podcast. And I think, uh, for me personally, my journey, like, I'm still getting shit for my parents, or my parents are more onto it. My own, not even my in laws, but like my cousins, friends, like, oh, you're crazy, you're still that crazy Bitcoin friend. Uh, but I'm like, eh, yeah, you guys are going to be, I'm going to be laughing at you in a few years, not laughing at you, but you're going to be my mom who's 60
1: years old. Well, she's not 60. She's 35, 35 years old. Uh, she runs our back office now at our company. Boss. She, she, she saw this. She was like, uh, this is crazy. First time she saw me get paid by a customer in Sweden and the transaction cleared zero fee and the cash was then deposit in our bank account. She's like, holy shit, this works this is way better (laughs) than credit cards. (laughs) And so, yeah, dude, it's like, uh, people think they'll never, it's like what you were saying earlier with iPhones. People are like, Oh, old people will never get uh, smartphones. And then it turns out they want to communicate with people. They figure it out. They start using smartphones. So dude, it's, you don't have a choice. Those who wait last to convert to Bitcoin will be impoverished by Bitcoin.
0: Whoa. powerful clip the
1: the Paul Krugman's of the world that's the greatest irony of it all (laughs) right right? that's the greatest (laughs) irony of it all they're the last bag holders of all the paper monopoly money
0: (laughs) and they're going to cling they're going to cling to their ideas that they need to be need to be right uh
1: i can't wait to go to the uh uh, yard sale for paul krugman (laughs) go pick rummage through all his like prize possessions be like "Ah, pay you satoshi for that i'll give you satoshi
0: uh, for that yeah i'll give you 100 satoshis for your nobel prize uh."
1: (laughs) (laughs) what's the smelt value of this (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, oh man uh uh so yeah i think it's an inevitability it's just like uh It's just time playing out and that's all it is like and and you know it's water running down a mountain so we you know we give ourselves too much credit when we say like oh we're building this thing because it's like all right the water's gonna make it down to the bottom of the mountain regardless of whatever you do but we are channeling the path of the water as it flows down Mm -hmm. so that's that's still cool that's still cool
0: yeah it is and it's cool to be a part of because it's completely emergent right like you're talking about like bitcoin the system of node operators and uh, miners and devs is emergent, like physically working on the system and making it work as a technical project. But then beyond that, it's like people like the Bitcoin magazines, uh, tales from the crypt just pop up out of nowhere. Like we need this thing to succeed and they need us like to talk about it, to spread the word. Totally.
1: I mean the, the, you know, Bitcoin is, is as inevitable as the internet is. They're one and the same. They're like the same. They're, it's the digitization of all things. And so like, uh, you know, when people like I still hear, there's only, I guess, a small list of things that people think will break Bitcoin. One of them is like, if there's a critical flaw found in Bitcoin and somehow we're able to just mint a whole bunch of Bitcoins, that's the death of Bitcoin. No, it's not. Like that's like saying if the internet, there was a flaw in the internet, and the internet went down for two weeks, that the internet's gone forever. We're never going to use it again. Yeah. It's like, no, we depend upon it. Like we need it in human society to move on we have to have it and so we're going to figure out what broke we'll fix it we'll redeploy it and it'll work again same with bitcoin
0: that's the beauty of bitcoin too it uh amends itself every 10 minutes so you can have it uh right up to the moment that it fucked up and go back (laughs) to that that's right
1: (laughs) you know uh uh and i will i uh i guess to 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 kind of go back to what we were talking about a little while ago one thing i didn't mention about the uh the Civil War that happened. Dude, we're constantly learning new things. I mean, like, I'm constantly being impressed by Bitcoin, seeing things I never saw, um, saw beforehand. And, uh, you know, I feel like we learned something from that Civil War, and we should spend time to reflect on what did we learn, so that people can say, okay, we fought this battle, we learned this lesson, we don't have to fight the same battle again to learn the same lesson in the future. Like we should like record these lessons somewhere so that, you know, we can memorialize them. I don't know.
0: Well, they're recorded on Bitcoin magazine. Uh, that's right. The path to SegWit. That's right.
1: That's right. <laughs> you know, the. Uh, uh, I think like what we learned from that is that Bitcoin on layer one, its principles cannot change. And that forks don't fly. And so like that's what we learned. I don't think we learned – there's other lessons that people think we learned. I don't think we necessarily learned them, but, like, forks are no good. It doesn't matter if you like big blocks. doesn't matter what your opinion is about it. Bitcoin doesn't care about your opinion. Forks won't work. So you have to deal with the system as it is, and then you have to figure out to how to work with those pieces to create the thing that you ultimately want to create. And so, like, if you look at math and the very tight rules that math has and arithmetic has – if you're trying to achieve some formula and the formula doesn't work out, you don't go and you change the rules of math. You don't go change the rules of arithmetic so that you can get your you know, thermodynamic, uh, aerodynamic formula to work. No, that's stupid. You have to come up with a new creative approach to solve the original problem that you're trying to solve. That's, w- that's what's so cool about Lightning Network. It's like if Lightning Network would not be where it is if there wasn't all this pressure building to find a solution for, you know, people to use every day.
0: Yeah, no, and it's, that was beautifully said. Like, it's uh, like lightning, uh, things like liquid. I'm not sure how confident I am about either, really, but they are like, just, I'm actually fairly confident about both, but um, it's just, again, the market finding solutions to the problem. The problem being that Bitcoin has certain limitations at the protocol level. And all we needed to do is be slow dumb and stupid and create blocks roughly every ten minutes in a distributed fashion and we'll be Gucci and just figuring out how to lev- leverage those assurances on top of that protocol there but it's crazy this is an alien technology like we're learning how it works again going back we're learning how it works and I think uh, I think you're making me more of a, a soft hearted bitcoiner throughout this conversation you ne- we need to have more we need to have more uh what's the word uh You'll know, let people down later who, who, who have uh, ill conceived notions that turn out we're to be wrong, false. Because yeah. who knows
1: what day you'll be wrong, you know?
0: I'm wrong a lot.
1: <laughs> so, well, so we'll pivot this conversation a little bit to uh, the present. Mm-hmm. If you're feeling a little soft hearted, we're having a conference, Bitcoin 2019.
0: Oh, I'll be there. I'm s- we're going to be recording a live podcast there.
1: Dope. Cool. Biggest Bitcoin conference in the world. Biggest Bitcoin conference actually since Bitcoin 2014. Are we were hoping that we could make the claim biggest Bitcoin conference ever, but we're not quite there yet. We're not quite there.
0: Use the, uh, use the promo code, code RHR and help us get there.
1: Good, good shilling. Good shilling. Um, and you know, we've, uh, gone out on a limb and invited some of these nasty characters that everyone's so mad about.
0: People are not happy. Jihan's going to be there.
1: Uh, Yes, where it's a constant negotiation with Jihan. He may not be there, so people may get their their whim. We'll we'll see. Wow. He's he's a little bit uh, preoccupied. Yeah, also a little nervous. A little nervous. Just feels like there's a lot of hate. Uh, but there is a lot of people um, who you know maybe people have been upset about that are going to be there at the event. They're only going to be talking about BTC. No BCH bullshit. No. No big blocks. No, this is how we need to fix Bitcoin to make it work. It's like, all right, all of that doesn't matter. Just let's just talk about BTC. And uh, we're going to give them a platform to be involved in the community. And so this is a good place to like meet these people and like have a human relationship with them and like figure out what drives them. And, you know, if Roger wants to come to the event, Roger is more than welcomed at the event. As long as he's not, you know, saying BCH is the real real Bitcoin. He's more <laughs> than welcome at the event. And uh, uh, it's going to be a super cool moment where I think we can uh, change, the, maybe hopefully change the conversation of like uh, uh, big block Bitcoin versus small block Bitcoin or whatever to Bitcoin versus the world. All right. And we're like all on the same team to take on the world and to transform that. And like we have minute disagreements. The one thing we all know is that forks don't work anymore. So don't even try to, to come pitch your fork and outside of that build whatever you can build to create value and grow this this virus faster so that we can get rid of the bullshit legacy system that exists today like that's what we're all fighting against is like replacing the old redundant system that's holding back society humanity all the people of the planet
0: wow no i i love it i thank you for putting it together with that with that mindset in mind like hey let's shake hands Get back uh, because Rod and I have been talking about people. We Rod and I got drinks uh, a couple months ago and brought up the Jihan thing. Like, yeah, people saw Jihan on the site. Like, ah, but it's like, yeah, like you said earlier, like he was at Bitcoin San Jose 2014. Like, with he
1: he was dude Jihan. People don't even know this. There are multiple Bitcoin core devs that he gives money to for them to just do their work, and they're like BTC core devs. And they can't tell the world that they they give the money because everyone would immediately be like, oh, these are just Bitmain shills trying to take down Bitcoin. But these are Bitcoin core developers that, you know, that are super well respected and Bitmain in private supports them just so that they can work on Bitcoin because they fucking love Bitcoin.
0: Well, thank you, (laughs) (laughs) Jihan.
1: So the. uh, uh, so I guess
0: so, the message of this podcast is give peace a chance
1: give peace a chance right <laughs> is, and and have fun just focus on having fun if we ha- all have fun and we get away from the outrage if we could create a f- uh, we said outrage culture if we could create like a fun rage culture
0: Ooh, yeah. a, I was an under back in my day yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: the uh, you know so I think we would all get along a lot better so we have shit like we're gonna have Venezuelan fiat That we're trying to figure out right now how we can make it rain from the ceiling if you tip a qr code make it so that the speakers you know they're trying to be all serious and shit. it's like venezuelan you know monopoly (laughs) money coming down on them uh we got bitcoin arcade games we have an art gallery where we have like bitcoin puzzles hidden in the art uh we have we have three people at our company right now working on uh launching a a game boy classic game boy game uh Find Bitcoin, make it to Bitcoin 2019 Game Boy game where people can discover free tickets and talk to Bitcoin characters within the Game Boy game. Like this is the ridiculous things that we're working on. This this is what I mean by like make Bitcoin fun again. Focus on like enjoying life and less on like being upset about
0: what other people are doing. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't
1: matter. Bitcoin is going to do Bitcoin. It's going to do Bitcoin. It doesn't care. (laughs) It doesn't.
0: It uh... God, I love this conversation. Thank you for putting this together, Rod. Um now, David, like I said, like you are somebody who's been whispered into my ears a few times throughout the years, like you should meet this guy, and I'm very happy that I have. Uh I've heard a lot about uh the fun that you have down in Tennessee as well. What uh what do you do outside of Bitcoin? Like what interests you outside of Bitcoin?
1: Uh basically nothing. Basically just do Bitcoin <laughs> literally all day, every day. I get off of work And I go home and I get on our Bitcoin or, you know, I, uh, 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 yeah, I do Bitcoin all day, every day. Honestly, Bitcoin consumes my life entirely. Um, But in Nashville, we do have a lot of fun. Bachelorette capital of the United States. Mm -hmm. Now it's become number two for bachelor party in the United States because they follow the bachelorette parties.
0: I was at one last year. Uh, Cool.
1: Cool. And, uh, you know, I would say, I don't know, Nashville is basically as hot as uh, layer two scaling solutions.
0: Yeah. Yeah, your boy Rod's been uh, been selling Nashville hard,
1: and the cost of living is way lower. So if you're trying to stack Sats,
0: it's a good place to do it. Uh, Williamsburg, Brooklyn is not the best place to stack Mm-mm. Sacks if you're stack Sats. Hey man, that's Ethereum town. Oh, believe me, I'm in the belly of the beast. It's, totally up the beast. <laughs> it's
1: uh, Hey Joe, another guy who 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 counts it in Bitcoin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they all do. They all do. It's the mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, the, it's
1: the reserve currency of crypto. It's <laughs> the, so
0: It's the reserve currency of the other projects. Um, well, I don't want to take up too much of your time, David. Oh been, man. This it, is good. It's been an incredible I am
1: pretty buzzed after, uh, I don't know how much of this whiskey we've drank, but it's... we drank the whole
0: bottle. Wow. Between the four of us, we right. finished the bottle. Yeah. Nice. nice. Are you, uh, you a big whiskey guy?
1: You no, know, I live in... Uh, I grew up on a farm uh, in Lincoln County, Tennessee, which is about... 15 minutes away from the Jack Daniels distillery. So um, dry County. Never drank a, a drop in my life until I was 21, of course. Um, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> no, I drink alcohol I all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no. If you work in crypto, you have to drink heavily. I mean, that's, that's the name of the game. That's the name of the game.
0: Especially this week.
1: Yes. Well, it depends on the season. You either drink to drown your sorrows or you drink to to, to party you know <laughs> depends on the bitcoin price
0: i went to uh, i went to dinner on saturday night with a bunch of bitcoiners when the price was uh, breaching 7000 uh, like 7350 it was uh, it was a fun dinner needless to say got a little rowdy
1: it's it's a drug you just can't escape it it is it's the like worst you said addiction there's a gravity to
0: it there's a virus like, it is a mind virus like why why has it infected us so bad like is it is it because it's, a it's a black so obvious? Hole of
1: all value <laughs> just sucks all things into it and <laughs> it, ha- it won't stop are we crazy you know I, you know if it wasn't that the fact that bitcoin was a hundred billion dollar project i'd say yes but the price tells me we're not crazy mm-hmm. or otherwise it wouldn't have gotten <laughs> to where it's gotten <laughs> it's the rest of the world that's fucking crazy and they're just now figuring it out
0: right but I, I have to pinch myself every once in a while like are
1: you fucking crazy marty well i've come to the conclusion that one bitcoin is one twenty-one millionth of all the energy in the universe, <gasps> and if that's not crazy, I don't know what is. Fuck. <laughs>
0: uh, are we going down the Dyson I, sphere I, I'm conversation again? The, right the, uh,
1: the ultimate Bitcoin bull. I'm. 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 I'll, I, what time is it? How much? How long have we talked on this? We're an hour and a half in right now. All right. So I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave on this note. All right. So if you told someone that in 1994 that there's this thing being built called the internet and that one day it will exceed the amount of information ever created in human history including every handwritten letter every fax every telegram every piece of art every book ever published that it would exceed the the aggregate information of all of those things people would think you're fucking crazy. Now the internet creates that much information every second. Every second. The value of Bitcoin. You know, people want to prescribe, oh, if it reaches the size of equities or the size of derivatives or if it hits this size or this size. That's as stupid as fucking saying that, that fucking the value of, of email is the value of the U.S. postal system. <laughs> Like, Bitcoin will create more value in a second, 30 years from now, than the aggregate amount of value that's been created thus far in human history to this date. Like, this thing is a fucking black hole, and it's going to get fucking crazy. It's just the very, very, very beginning of it right now.
0: (sighs) I think I got to go buy more Bitcoin. (laughs) David. I can't thank you enough for Yeah, thank you for having me. No, well you're you have you have me in your 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 room. So thank you for having me. This has been a pleasant conversation. I'm very very happy to have met the man that I've I've heard whispers about throughout the years. Cool. Roll tide. Peace and love freaks.